Oh, we got a good topic today. You know why? Because when we come to the airwaves, we talk about the Word of God. So today we're going to see how do we really understand the Bible. You know, it's like what's required. Why is it some people can have a good grasp of God's Word and others, they're like just kind of like lost in the dark? Why is that? Well, the key to understanding is in the word bibliography. And that's what we're going to look at today. Bibliography. Bibliography, basically, is the revelation and the study of the Word of God. How it's revealed and how we study it. It also shows the importance of why. You know, it's like, why do we need to know God's Word? Ah, that's what we're going to see today. So from where I'm sitting, it only makes sense to learn these truths because you know what God's Word is? It's the rule of life. It's also known as the canon of Scripture. Canon, it's not something that fires bombs. Canon means measuring rod. So think of it. God has provided something unique in His Word. He's provided in written form something that mankind can comprehend and something that's been preserved through the ages, and it gives us a rule of life. It really teaches us how to live so we can get the most out of life. That's the intention, okay? It teaches about life on earth, the life to come, the life of God. It even teaches about life from eternity past. Oh, it's quite a book. And what we're going to see today is that we have a problem. The problem is we can't know this book except for one thing, divine knowledge. Apart from divine knowledge, mankind is lost in his own vanity. That's the problem today. People are lost in vanity because they don't understand the Word of God. Sadly, some don't want to understand the Word of God. You know what? They're lost. That's what I say. You're lost. You don't want to understand the Word of God. You're lost. From the beginning... God began to tutor Adam and Eve in the garden. Why? Because human reasoning can only see the stars, but fall short of seeing the one who created them. You know, it's one thing to admire a beautiful painting, but it's another thing to know the artist. And that's why God gave us his word, so we could know him. See, most of humanity, through rejecting knowledge of God, Uh uh-oh, has fallen under the, the dominion of God's enemy, Satan. And he has his way with them. You know why? Because they don't know. They don't know God's enemy, and they don't know they're under his dominion. So they just go about in life, la-li-la, la-di-la-la, thinking everything's okay. 
And yet in his word, God said, in 2 Corinthians 4.3, If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. What's the gospel? The good news of Christ. It's veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory glory of Christ, who is the image of God. What's Paul saying? That people that are lost have their minds blinded. And as long as they stay in that condition, they'll never know or see the gospel message. They'll never understand it, and they'll never come to salvation. They're in deep trouble. But there's a solution. Oh, yes. You know, with God, okay, I like this. There's a solution to every problem. And the problem to lostness, we find the solution in John chapter 3, verse 3, where Jesus is speaking, and he said, truly, truly, this is like, listen with both ears, okay? Truly, listen with one ear. Truly, listen with both ears. I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So something has to happen with the individual for them to understand Scripture. They have to have a new birth. It's really a spiritual birth. You see, scientists do not create. They can only discover what exists. Theologians do not create. They only strive to comprehend what God has revealed. So God has already created everything revealed everything, and we are in a search to discover it. That's it. Discover it and understand what God has done. So, for the theologian to enter into the study with doubt is to already be disqualified as the examination is done. Here it comes, through faith. And I know very intelligent people, and they say, I can't believe unless I see. They've disqualified themselves from seeing because we don't see the things of God through sight. We see the things of God through faith. And then you know what happens? Faith turns into sight. So in our search for God, we search with faith, and faith becomes sight. So this means we have to go into the study of God's Word believing. If you don't go into it believing, if you don't go into it with a new birth, then you remain in the dark. So I want to give you today seven aspects of bibliology. Okay, remember bibliology, the study of the Word of God and its revelation, right? So I'm going to give you seven aspects. You can write these down. I think they'll be good to know. Okay, seven principles that will help us to grow. Number one, that the Bible is a revelation from God. There are things in the Bible which man could never know apart from divine revelation, right? We would never know the Trinity. We would never know angels. We would never know Satan and demons. We wouldn't know the creation of man. That's why they're pushing the theory of evolution on our kids. Number one, it's only a theory but they teach it as fact, and it's full of holes. 
But the Word of God says, no, I can settle it. God created man and woman. Boom. There it is. That's how we find the origin of humanity. We never know about heaven and hell, apart from divine revelation. Now, you think these things are important? I do. Especially the heaven and hell part. You know why? Because they're eternal. Whichever one you go to, you're there forever. So there's no change there. That's why it's important to know these things. Number two, the Bible is inspired by God. In 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean the Bible is profitable? It means that we get something good from it. Teaching. What does it teach? Who God is. It's profitable for reproof. That means that it shows us where we've gone wrong. Yeah, we make errors in life, and the Bible points out those errors. But it's also profitable for correction, and that is how to get right. God doesn't leave us in our mistakes, but he shows us how to get out of it. And by the way, correction is a nautical term, and it's a term that's used for adjusting the ship's course. As a ship travels across the water, it faces opposing forces, the winds, the waves, the currents, and the ship can go off course. So what do you make? A course correction. And you make the adjustment, and you get back on course, so you can arrive at the intended destination. The Bible gives us a course correction in life, if we're going the wrong way. And it's profitable for training, training in righteousness, which is what? The Christian way of life. How do you know how to live the Christian way of life without the Word of God? Oh, you don't. You don't. So there's four things, four benefits that come from learning the Scriptures. And when the Bible says it's inspired, the word is theonoustos, inspired by God. Theo is God. Noustos is breath or to breathe. It means that the Scriptures are God-breathed. Think of this. Think of the Bible as the very breath of God. Wow. God exhales, and we have his word. So, wait, how did it get into print? How did the word of God get on paper so we could read it? Well, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. See, the Bible answers all these questions. It says, For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit. They spoke from God. So what's he saying? That these prophets of God that wrote Scripture, they were moved along by the Holy Spirit. God breathed into them through the Spirit. And they took the dictation, so to speak, and they wrote everything down. It wasn't human ideas. It was divinely inspired. Okay? So that, there it is. But again, faith. It takes faith to understand these things. Thirdly, it takes divine illumination to understand the Word of God. If the Word is divine, 
it must be illuminated to the natural mind by the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's why Paul could say to those carnal Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 2.14, he says, a natural man, that means a natural-minded man, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Why? They are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised, spiritually discerned. So you see, the natural-minded individual cannot understand this spiritual book and calls it foolishness. You know anybody like that? Oh, the Bible is just stupid, foolish, written by men. All they want is your money. People come up with all kinds of excuses as to why they don't want to know God. I say, you know what? Have a nice life. That's all. But then Paul said, he who, he who is spiritual appraises all things. If you have a spiritual mind, you can understand the word of God. It's all it takes. And how do you get that spiritual mind? Back to what Jesus said. You must be born anew, born from above, born again. It takes a spiritual birth to receive a spiritual mind. And with that spiritual mind, you can learn the spiritual book. It's that simple. And it starts with faith. So in verse 16, he asked the question, Who has known the mind of the Lord, that he will instruct him? In other words, how can we know the mind of God without his spirit? We can't. But he said, oh, but we have the mind of Christ. What's the mind of Christ? It's the Word of God. It's right there. Jesus is the Word. He became flesh, right? So now it's been recorded. It's been God-breathed, first into scrolls, now into a book. Then it was put into CDs and MP3s and every other venue you can use to record. And it's gone all over the world. So I want you to think about the Holy Spirit as God's gift to us, that we can understand the Scriptures. Okay? it's The Spirit of God understands the mind of God, just like the Spirit of a man understands the mind of the man. No one knows your mind but you, and no one knows God but Him, but through His Spirit, He reveals Himself to us. There it is. It's that simple. So Paul said, Now we have received, oh, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. So let me ask you, how many of those things do you know? Do you want to know any? Are you content going through life ignorant of God? Or are you content going through life, nah, I know a little bit, itsy-bitsy? little bit. Or do I want to know as much as I can? You know, it's like, which category do I find myself in? It's three. Those that don't want to know anything, those that are satisfied with just eh, a little bit, and those that want to know as much as they can. Ask yourself, which one am I? And then here's the next question. 
Which one do you think pays the biggest dividends? Do you think wanting to know nothing about God pays dividends to your life? Do you think wanting to know just a little tiny bit about God pays, okay, little tiny dividends? But then, knowing as much as you can, do you think it pays greater dividends? I would say so. Why? Because the Bible is the rule of life. And like we said, it's profitable for teaching, correction, reproof, and training. It's how to make a life. You want to make a life? You learn the Word of God. But number four, it must be interpreted correctly. That's the problem today, misinterpretation. The study and interpretation of the Bible is called hermeneutics. And it must be done systematically, line upon line. It must be done dispensationally, according to each age, how human history is divided up. Okay? Some people don't believe in dispensations, but what they do is they they misconstrue Scripture. And they misapply Scripture because they don't understand dispensations. There are very general dispensations, the Old Testament, the New Testament. In the New Testament, we're in a different dispensation. We don't sacrifice animals. In the Old Testament, they did. But now we live in the dispensation after Christ. We're in the dispensation of the church age. Then there's the dispensation of the tribulation. That has to do with the age of Israel. Then there's the dispensation of the millennial kingdom. So they all have particular scriptures that point to them. And you don't want to confuse them, because that's when you get false doctrine. When you study the Word of God through hermeneutics, you also have to understand or consider the audience that the letters were written to. You have to understand the context, the situation. Why were those things written? What are they addressing? What was going on in that day and age? And there's a lot of folks taking Old Testament scriptures that were written to Israel and applying them to the church today, and that's bad hermeneutics. Okay? Now, sometimes in principle, we can make an application, but not specifically. Okay? Now, Jesus worked miracles. Why? To demonstrate his authority to forgive people and that he was divine. He was God. But we don't have that power today. We don't have the power to heal anybody at will. And there are those that say they do. That's a misinterpretation of Scripture. And then when people don't get healed, they blame the person for not having enough faith. Oh, that is, that's cruel. That's cruel, and that's hard. So you've got to understand context. You've got to understand dispensations. You've got to understand the audience. All of these things work together. Jesus brought people back from the dead, but where were they? In paradise. People do not come back from the dead today. Why? Because they're in heaven with God. Paradise went to heaven with Christ when he ascended into heaven. He took paradise with him. So now, in the church age, as Paul said, absent from the body, present with the Lord. And people will go all over the world 
and say they raise people from the dead and write books and make movies, and it's all biblically inaccurate. See why we need to understand Scripture. Fifthly, another beautiful benefit, God's Word imparts life. You need life. I do. In John 6.63, Jesus said, The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Oh, the Word of God, you know, it does make you alive. You know why? Because the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. What does that mean? It means that it can read your mind. And when you're reading the Word of God or you're hearing it preached, sometimes you have a sense of conviction. Uh Uh-oh, how did they know what I was thinking or what I was doing? Sometimes you have a sense of encouragement. How did they know that I was doing this? This was a good thing. You see, so whether we're doing bad or doing good, the Bible knows, and the Spirit takes it and convicts us. Remember those disciples on the road to Emmaus? They were walking after the crucifixion of Christ, and they were sad, downhearted. And Jesus met them on the road to Emmaus. And it says that he opened up the Scriptures, and he reasoned with them, beginning with Moses, all the things that were to happen to Christ. And then you know what they said? Were not our hearts burning within us when he was speaking to us on the road while he was explaining the scriptures to us? Their hearts came alive. They were down. They were sad. Their Savior was dead. He was gone. But when the scriptures were opened up to them, they resuscitated. They came alive again. And the Bible does that. And you know If you've been in that situation, how the Word can just add life to you. And it does. It can pick you up and get you going. So when you're down, get into into the Bible. Get into God's Word. Let it lift you up. Number six, it's canonicity. As the writers were moved by God, so were those who diligently assembled the sacred writings. They compared Scripture with Scripture, so there'd be no contradictions in the final book. That's how we got the canon today. And that's why in the Roman Catholic Bible, there are books that are not in our Protestant Bible. Because it's believed that some of those books contradict Scripture. Like praying for those that have died. Like giving indulgences for forgiveness. Buying for... No, those things don't line up with Scripture. Okay? So that's why canonicity, we can trust the Word of God. And then finally, the Bible speaks with great authority, God's authority. To those who believe, the Word of God becomes the final rule of life. It leads us and it guides us. You know what Psalm 119 says? It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. If you really, really believe... You will let the Word of God guide you through life, if you really believe. Now, you can say you're a believer, but are you letting it guide your feet through life? The Word of God encourages, 
It warns. It consoles. It convicts. Oh, it goes right to the heart. And we would do well to heed its instructions. Remember, it's God's word to us. It's a gift. It's a gift to help us, to guide us, to guide us through life and get us to heaven. That's why he gave us his word. He reveals himself in his word. That's why there's no excuse. When people stand before God and they say, well, God, I didn't have a chance to know you. No, you had my word. It's in my word. So this is a quick summary of bibliology, how to understand the Bible. Know that, number one, it's a revelation from God. It has to be revealed from Him. Number two, it was inspired by God to human writers. Number three, it requires divine illumination. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. When you're born again, you receive the indwelling Spirit, and now you can interpret and understand Scripture. But number four, you've got to interpret it correctly, dispensationally, in context, knowing the audience, okay? Don't mix and match, pick and choose what scriptures you're going to believe in. And fifthly, it imparts life. Oh, yeah, it makes you alive. Number six, it's a rule of life. That's why it's called a canon. And number seven, it speaks with authority. It's God's word, and God's word is the authority. So like I said, we would do well to bring ourselves under its authority and guidance. There's nothing better that can guide us through life than God's word. You think some magazine, some newspaper article, some book on psychology. These are all man's efforts. Oh, and they fall so short of divine revelation. That's why we're here. We're here to promote the Word of God. And we do it through New Hope Radio and the Hope Club podcast. Go there anytime. Get these messages. And you can help us to do that by joining the Hope Club. Go to newhoperadio.live, click the menu bar. All the info is there if you want to get on board and be part of this. Last time I checked, we were in 31 countries with our podcast. I'm like, wow, I'm going to check again, see if we've grown. And you can be part of that. Be part of a winning team that's bringing the Word of God around the world. People like the messages. So be part of it. Help us out. We help you out as well. Go to newhoperadio.live, click the menu bar. All right? Okay. I hope this was helpful. Thanks for coming along. I'll see you next time.